Time for Midday on this Thursday, February 4th. Thanks for tuning in. Tyler Cavalli along with you here on this frosty morning. We're talking with Jason Jorgensen here in just a moment. He'll tell us some good news about the Omaha area. Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are doing so far. But our own Susan Littlefield is all the way out in North Platte at the Buffalo Bill Farm and Expo. And uh, how's things going out there? It is busy today. You're going to hear a lot of uh, noise in the background as folks are milling around the cold weather. And the, the storm that moves through overnight has brought a lot of folks in to enjoy the show. So we'll be here till 4 o'clock. Hopefully folks can stop by and check out the show. Very good. And we do have a booth. And we also have our ATV and go light there that they can check out and get registered for, right? Very much so. We've got a variety of different locations you can register here in the show. So multiple chances for you to get qualified just by coming out to the Buffaloville Farm and Ranch Expo. Okay, very good. Well, what do you have for us coming up today on Midday? Well, we're going to kick it all off here at 1219 with Alex as the Angler alum. Has a full-time job, two boys under the age of two, and now a purposeful side hustle called Created to Do. I don't want to let any more out. You'll have to find out as you tune in at 1219 with Alex. Then at 1245, we're going to talk about Trade Policy Internship Award through the Yider Institute that is honoring Nebraska Farm Bureau's Steve Nelson. Alex will bring us all up to date on that as well. That's at 1245. And then at 117, Bryce will get caught up with Paul Hazy of Fuel Lift Manufacturing at the Iowa Ag Expo to talk about some challenges that they faced during 2020. So that's a midday on this Thursday from Farm King. Okay, thank you very much. And again, uh, say hi to everybody out there at the uh, the Farmer Ranch Expo. Stop by and uh, check out the booth as well. Sounds good. Well, thank you. All right, again, that is Susan Littlefield. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Jason Joriton in Omaha. is going to be seeing a lot of volleyball in the next couple months. Yeah, big announcement yesterday. The entire 48-team tournament will take place in Omaha. Kind of makes sense. That would kind of piggyback on how they are going to try to do the NCAA basketball tournaments. They were already going to have the semifinals and final in Omaha anyway, so they get to host the whole thing in April. So I would imagine it's not going to all be at the, uh, what is it called, the CHI Event mm-hmm. Center now. It'd be probably dispersed out in a couple other, or it's all there. It's all there, my oh, friend. Okay. So that's right. how they will stagger all of that and work their way through. So a lot of volleyball in the greater Omaha area. Wow, okay. Well, that's kind of cool. Omaha's been getting some cool events. They had the uh, swim trials and College World Series, of course, but uh, congratulations. Yeah, so we'll touch on uh, that. Also coming up, we'll talk some basketball. We have the semifinals of the FKC tournament tonight in Kearney. As Tyler will have the call. Pleasanton and Overton at 6. Elm Creek will take on Loomis. After that, it's always a big tournament. Vero Center is a great place for that event. Just, I'm just glad they're being able to hold it. Plenty of places to uh, social distance and uh, hang out as well. So, yeah, come on out and support the kids. Uh, great place for games. Dress warm because calling basketball <laughs> on top of a hockey arena can get a little chilly. I have learned that in the past. I have my mittens and everything ready to go. The long johns, hand warmers will, will be solid. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan and uh, how are stocks performing? Rising and trading on Wall Street. Uh, those The rises fueled by strong company earnings as well as optimism that uh, Americans are going to get a package of fiscal stimulus, and uh, but it remains to be seen what that will be. Also, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits fell last week. Details on those stories coming up. All right, thank you very much. Let's now turn things over. And it's time for a regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. 
Paul Perkins back in the studio. And, well, Paul, we survived another round <laughs> of precipitation that uh, made things a little tricky outside. Still pretty chilly. But uh, now we have, I wouldn't say warmer air, but at least we have some sunshine. Exactly. And that's going to help immensely uh, melt off these roads uh, with the icy conditions underneath. Mm-hmm. We got that. We did get that a flash freeze last night, like the forecasters were warning with that winter weather advisory. Some rain and then just instantly got cold with that cold front moving in and then the snow on top of it because anywhere the snow was plowed, right. there was a pretty solid sheet of ice underneath. Well, now these winds are howling in for the northwest as well, blowing that light snow across the roadways and just blowing it in general. And uh, obviously that's making things a little bit trickier as well. Exactly. That will make for some tricky uh, driving conditions. Still some winds gusting up into the 20s and 30s this afternoon. And especially in those open areas, uh, look out for some slick spots and uh, definitely the chilly temperatures. But luckily the sun is out for the time being. Now today, tomorrow, primarily tomorrow, it's going to get a little bit warmer. But the things are drastically going to change after Friday. Big cold wave on the way. And it's going to be a cold wave that sticks around for about a couple of weeks here, especially for next week. Mm. Uh, the early half of next week probably the main brunt of it for us but not a whole lot of warming after that either but we're going to see the coldest of the year uh, air of the season thus far probably some of the coldest we've seen in quite a while now these arctic temps that'll be moving in are we expecting any kind of fronts in terms of precipitation following a little bit of a precipitation is uh, possible because we will see some weak disturbances track southeast and with this cold air any of that snow that does fall that Mm -hmm. snow a little lot more fluffy so it does accumulate a lot easier well at least today the sun is out yet again (laughs) Exactly, and enjoy what we've got today and tomorrow. Still quite a bit of uh, snow cover uh, along and east of a line from Ainsworth down to Broken Bow, uh, just east of North Plateau, about the McCook area. Otherwise, you go to the west of that, uh, mostly uh, snow-free or very little snow on the ground. And underneath the snow cover, we do have those temperatures mainly in the low to mid-20s in much of central and east Nebraska. Temperatures more so in the low and mid-30s from the Nebraska Sand Hills down to Ogallala, North Platte, Lexington, on into northwest and north central Kansas. And temperatures already right around 40 as you head into northeastern areas of Colorado. Sunshine for today. Those northerly winds, though, will gust on into the 30s as we sit in between some strong high pressure building in behind departing low pressure. In between systems tonight through most of tomorrow will be dry. Temperatures briefly returning to seasonal levels for tomorrow with some sunshine. With the approach of this strong cold front, we are looking at a slight chance of rain and snow across central and east Nebraska by tomorrow afternoon. Temperatures behind that front will drop to 20 degrees below normal for the weekend. Daytime highs only in the single digits for Monday and Tuesday. Overnight lows will drop below zero for Sunday night through Tuesday night with wind chills of 15 to 25 below zero. Most likely we'll see some wind chill advisories be issued. There will be some off and on snow chances tomorrow night through Tuesday with some weak disturbances tracking to the southeast. With these disturbances moving through, that snow will fluff up very easily, and we could see some light accumulations. That's currently what's expected, just some light accumulations, but often on snow chances is expected to persist on into early next week. In our long-term forecast, chances remain very good for colder-than-normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas through February 17th. Near normal to slightly above normal precipitation is forecast for Tuesday through February 17th in Nebraska and Kansas. In our regional drought monitor for Nebraska, areas along and southeast of a line from Hastings to Fremont just abnormally dry thanks to the recent snows. Most of Nebraska 
moderate to severe drought. Extreme drought continues in nearly all of the Panhandle and in the southwest and south central to as far east as Highway 183 and mainly to the south of I-80. Kansas improved four percentage points to 40% drought-free. No dryness issues along and southeast of a line from Kansas City to McPherson and Liberal. Most other areas of the southwest, central, and east part of Kansas abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Extreme to severe drought is found along and northwest of a line from Phillipsburg to Oakley and Elkhart. Key weather factors for the markets include varying amounts of rain in the forecast for South America and a polar vortex cold outbreak in the central U.S. A strong polar vortex will help to push a cold wave across the Midwest and Plains this weekend. Bitter cold will combine with periods of snow and strong winds to produce blizzard conditions in parts of the Midwest. Temperatures falling below zero at many locations of the Midwest and Northern Plains and the single digits in the Southern Plains. This is the coldest air of the season thus far, with disruptions expected to transportation and possible stress to winter wheat. In crop areas of Brazil, Moderate to heavy rain is forecast the next seven days for the central and north, disrupting the soybean harvest and planting of second crop corn. Central Argentina will have light rain the next seven days, the rain offering a limited amount of rain following uh, moderate to heavy rains and much improved soil moisture the past week to 10 days. Seasonal to below normal temperatures this next week will minimize the effect of that drier weather pattern. Looking at the roadways here in Nebraska, it looks like they're improving a little bit. But further west you go, we understand that basically really no driving <laughs> conditions that are bad right now. Yeah, uh, wet conditions right now from about Elm Creek west along the interstate. But, yeah, still those snow-covered roads mm. from Elm Creek east. And no reports of any accidents closing down the roads at this time. We did have numerous ones this morning, one of them right. near Overton and then another one near Giltner. Sun is out today. Temperatures warm up just a little bit. I would think by the end of today, the roads should be pretty cleared off. And just, to, of course, the exception will be with those areas where that snow, a lot of times that field right next to the highway sure, at the sure. same level and that snow blows across. All right, very good. For more weather information, where can they find that? KRVN.com. We grow. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. Celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. You give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man a fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. Thanks so much for tuning in. That's the voice of Angler alum Alex Ambrose. She has a full-time job, two boys under the age of two, and now a purposeful side hustle called Created to Do that was just launched in September. It wasn't a business she created while she was in the Angler program. In fact, she juggled with a number of business ideas in college, but motherhood, both the joys and the trenches, helped her identify her purposes and her passions. I was just tired of like just surviving. And so I made a list and I was just like, what areas am I struggling in? And as I looked at that list, I was like, if I just spent some purposeful time thinking about like how I could set up a few of these things to work better in my home, I could spend a lot less time doing these things that I really don't want to be doing, but I have to be doing. Mm -hmm. And really finding like what Christ is creating me to do in this season. And so that's kind of where the name came from. Created to do. It's a business that focuses on providing resources to families in three areas, food, finance, and function, to give families more time to live out what Christ has created them to do. So from that list of all the things I was struggling with, I tried to figure out what are some buckets that those things could fit in. And the three areas that I found that no matter who you are, you most likely will be experiencing something in one of these three areas. Um, so the first is food. The second is finance and the third is function. So 
we all have to eat. As moms, we are feeding multiple people multiple times a day. <laughs> From the finance standpoint, whether you like it or not, like you have to be making money and spend money to live. And then the third being function is no matter who you are and how your family, your home is set up, things function in a way that either serve you well or maybe don't serve you as well. Alex's first focus was on the food section. She started out by creating custom meal plans for families. But I realized if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. I was giving these meal plans to these families and I was helping them for their short, immediate need, but it wasn't sustainable for either of us. So I've kind of shifted my mindset in those three areas to really creating resources that can be used by moms or by families to help them in those three areas. So I'm working on what I'm calling a meal plan masterbook for this food section. Um, it's essentially just like a system that is hopefully simplified in a way that you can sit down no matter what your family dynamic is and get meal plans together quickly and then putting some systems in place to actually get the meals on the table when your family <laughs> is at the table. In addition to the meal plans, Alex also wants to create budgeting resources and materials for how simple functions like laundry or cleaning can be done more efficiently in families' homes. She also offers a few tips for busy people who can't seem to find enough time in the day to complete their tasks. We all have 24 hours in a day, and so like no one has more or less time than anyone else, but it's really like how we are prioritizing our time. So the first thing I would say is take advantage of like all the free education that you can through podcasts. And the second tip, batch your work as much as you can, whether it's like writing content for social media or if it's following up with clients. Instead of doing all three of those things in a half hour period, focus on one of those things. So make all of your follow up with your client in those 30 minutes, because when your brain shifts, like you're much less productive. And that again is Angler alum Alex Ambrose, who just launched her business Created To Do. And you can find more at createdtodo.co. You can also learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln at angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. Saturday, February 6th. Time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen back in the studio. And we get big news for Omaha as they will get the entire volleyball tournament for Division One in April. Yeah, big news broke last night. Omaha will host all of the rounds of the Division One tournament. All of those matchups will take place at the CHI Health Center. Now, of course, Omaha was already slated to host the national semifinals in the final April 22nd through the 24th. But now all 48 teams selected will head to the Big O. All of the rounds of the tournament will be played between April 13th through the 24th. Semifinals of the girls. FKC tournament is set for tonight as 16-3 Overton takes on 18-1 Pleasanton in the 6 o'clock game. Bulldogs coach Jordan Arnsdorf breaks down this semifinal. Two teams with different with opposite philosophies. You know, Overton wants to play in the half court, and we want to get out and run. Um, so it's just a matter of if Overton can slow the ball down and if we can get out and run, um, you know, the other team will be successful in what they like to do. And Pleasanton won earlier this year over the Eagles by 30. It's easier said than done to mm-hmm. handle that bulldog pressure, especially the last four years or so. Second game has Elm Creek battling Loomis at 7.30. Both of those games can be heard here tonight on 880-KRVN and KRVN.com. You all fired up for the broadcast? Ready tonight? to go. Pleasanton obviously has won the last three FKC championships 
And, uh, boy, they're, they're going to be tough to knock off this time. Four of their five starters, by the way, averaging double figures in scoring. Yep, so we'll see. But if Overton slows it down, right. they, yep. they've yep. got a couple of kids there themselves. They have a chance. So we'll UNK is back at home tonight as the Lopers host Central Oklahoma. Now, the Loper women dropped both of their games last week against Fort Hay State, and head coach Carrie Amy says they need to put those setbacks behind them. You know, I think they've kind of had the, okay, let's let's get back to the drawing board and figure out what we need to do to keep getting better. And uh, I think that's what made this group who they are in the first place is um, over the course of their careers, that's that's been their mindset. Women's game is set for 5.30, men's game at 7.30. Those games can be heard on 93.1 The River and 106.9 at Kearney. And Concordia women's basketball coach Drew Olson hit a milestone last night as the 25th-ranked Bulldogs beat Dort 77-71. It was his 400th win of his career. The Bulldogs are... 15-7 and seven this season. I know you dealt with him a lot when you mm-hmm. were at York. Very successful coach. Terrific coach. He's a very good recruiter. And uh, every year it turns out uh, a team competing for the national championships. Congratulations. Husker women this afternoon on the road at Penn State. Kind of a different start time for that one. Tip offs at 5. You can hear that locally over on Cami Country. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Nebraska will receive 21% more doses of coronavirus vaccines this week as the state continues to work to speed up distribution of the shots. The state said it's scheduled to receive more than 55,000 doses of the vaccine this week, up from 46,000 a week ago. The increase in doses should help boost distribution of the vaccine statewide. The 19 local health districts across Nebraska are finishing up the first phase of the campaign when health care workers and residents of long-term care facilities were the focus. And now they are all starting to vaccinate people 65 and older and some essential workers. Public school students in Nebraska will be able to get free breakfast and lunch under a measure introduced by Senator Michaela Cavanaugh and considered by the Education Committee this week. LB 117, also known as the Hunger-Free Schools Act, would require the state to reimburse the schools for any meal costs not reimbursed by federal school breakfast, lunch, or summer meals program. Kavanaugh called it an important piece of legislation that would address inequity and advance education in the state. This is intended to eliminate a disparity in education. We don't charge certain students for books. We shouldn't charge them for food. It's part of the education. It's part of making sure that they are there to learn, engaged, and ready to have a a thriving day. The Nebraska Public Service Commission has suspended 52 passenger carriers and 15 household goods movers in Nebraska for failure to comply with its annual renewal requirements. Those carriers named in the order must cease and desist from providing for hire transportation services for passenger carriers and household goods in Nebraska. Commission Chair Dan Watermeyer said those businesses were given ample time to comply and yet they had not received any response from them. 
Kansas labor officials are saying that new security protocols are blocking thousands of fraudulent attempts every hour to access Kansas's unemployment benefit system. But those assurances did little to dispel the concerns of Republican lawmakers. The Kansas Department of Labor reported that it blocked more than 538,000 attempts from Internet bots or human scammers to log into its unemployment system during the 27 hours after a shutdown of the system ended Tuesday morning. The department shut down the system Saturday afternoon to add new security protocols after a flood of fraudulent claims for benefits. GOP lawmakers still worry that Kansas is losing millions of dollars to scammers. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave. Eight, five. A new trade policy internship is honoring Nebraska Farm Bureau's forward leader, Steve Nelson, while also supporting UNL students through the Clayton Yider Institute of International Trade and Finance. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're joined on the phone by Jill O'Donnell. She is director of the Yider Institute. Jill, thanks so much for being with us today. Tell us a little bit more about this internship award. Sure. So the internship award um, will provide a $6,000 stipend to one University of Nebraska-Lincoln student to intern for the summer at the Washington International Trade Association, or WIDA for short. Um, WIDA is a nonprofit, nonpartisan kind of a central hub for really robust discussion of international trade policy in Washington, D.C. Um, so the student intern will work um, as a team with other interns at WIDA on all manner of items that WIDA does um, as part of its mission. And really at the core of WIDA's mission is conversation, education, dialogue about uh, the pressing trade policy issues of the day, and there are many. Um, and so it's going to be a really exciting opportunity for a student to really work in the heart of the trade policy community uh, in Washington and really gain exposure to not only to issues surrounding international trade, but also what it looks like and feels like to, to be a trade policy professional because they'll be interacting with people who are trade policy professionals themselves. So it's, it's knowledge about issues and it's um, a lot of networking and exposure to um, trade policy career paths as well that might be open to them in the future. So, Jill, this opportunity is kind of a partnership between the Nebraska Farm Bureau and the Clayton Yider Institute of International Trade and Finance. Tell us a little bit about this partnership and how it came about. Sure. So the um, now former um, president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, Steve Nelson, um, just retired in December of 2020, and the Nebraska Farm Bureau uh, wanted to do something to recognize and honor Steve's distinguished service to the Nebraska Farm Bureau and um, recognizing also that Steve participated in several uh, trade missions around the world during his tenure as president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau and his you know, interest in and passion for that area um, on behalf of uh, Nebraska's agriculture producers. They reached out to uh, me here at the Yider Institute to think about some ways where we could perhaps create something together that would help honor um, Steve's legacy in market access, pushing for market access for Nebraska's agriculture producers. And so we discussed the idea of how we, we might come up with a way to support a student to go um, to Washington, a student who has some interest in agricultural policy and international trade, to go to Washington, D.C. and really immerse himself or herself in a tra the trade policy community and, you know, gain exposure to ag trade issues uh, as well as gain really practical skills on how to talk about those issues, how to bring people to the table to discuss 
pressing issues in agricultural trade. Um, and so this idea of supporting an internship specifically at WIDA, the Washington International Trade Association, was born through those discussions. And Jill, I think it's safe to say that the Yider Institute really puts a focus on getting that real-life experience for these students. Tell us about how the Yider Institute is preparing these students for these experiences. Yes, absolutely. So there are a range of ways that we work through the Yider Institute to prepare students for experiences such as this internship. Everything from the events that we offer for anyone to participate in just to gain more knowledge about trade issues that are at play right now to courses that are taught to a student fellows program that we piloted just this academic year starting in the fall of 2020 to give students opportunities to dive more deeply into trade issues as well as consider different career paths, gain exposure to different career paths and professionals working in this area. So there's a full, full range of um, ways to plug into the Yeider Institute to prepare oneself to learn about these opportunities and take advantage of them. Absolutely. Jill, remind us who is eligible for this internship award and how they can apply if they're interested. Certainly. So any student at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in any degree program, so a student from any major who has sophomore standing or above, is eligible to apply. And it is possible to go to our website, um, that's yiter-institute.unl.edu, where we have all the information available about the internship um, and how to apply for it. That's all contained on our website there. All right. Is there any information we missed that's important to mention? Uh, You know, I would just note that recalling um, some words of our namesake, Clayton Yeider himself, he told a group of students many years ago that if they could prepare themselves to be, quote, broad and creative and global in their thinking, then they should have a very productive and rewarding career, unquote. And that's something that we really keep in mind every day at the Yeider Institute. And I think it's very fitting that through this new award program in partnership with Nebraska Farm Bureau for a student to go intern in the heart of the trade policy community at an organization that once honored Clayton Yider himself with their Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, it's all very fitting and all just very exciting um, opportunity for, for one of our students here. All right. Great information, Jill. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alex. That again is Jill O'Donnell joining us. She's the director of the Clayton Yider Institute of International Trade and Finance with details about a new trade policy internship that's honoring Nebraska Farm Bureau's former leader, Steve Nelson. The program, again, will provide $6,000 annually for a UNL student, and internship applications are due on February 18th. We have all of those details under the Ag Policy tab at ruralradio.com. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. 241. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been rising and trading on Wall Street, helped by strong company earnings, as well as optimism that Washington can reach a deal for another round of fiscal stimulus for the millions of Americans who need it. All three main index were on pace for weekly gains above 3%. It's an encouraging start to February after a late January fade amid worries about the timing and scope of another round of stimulus spending and unease over the effectiveness of the government's coronavirus vaccine distribution. The number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits fell to 779,000 last week. That's the lowest in two months, but still a historically high total that shows that a sizable number of people continue to lose jobs to the viral pandemic, 
Before the virus erupted in the U.S. in March, weekly applications for jobless aid had never topped 700,000, even during the Great Recession. U.S. productivity in the October-December quarter fell by the largest amount in 39 years as the coronavirus pandemic roiled the labor market. The Labor Department says productivity dropped at a 4.8% rate in the fourth quarter after rising strongly in the two previous quarters. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says America has some tough months ahead in dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. And for that reason, it's critical that Congress pass President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion relief package in her first public interview since becoming Treasury Secretary last week. Yellen said that President Biden was willing to cooperate with Republicans to pass the measure on a bipartisan basis. However, Democrats in Congress have signaled that if they do not line up GOP support, they are prepared to pass the measure with only Democratic support. For the Rural Radio Network... Bryce Duskin on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're catching up with Paul Hottavy. He's the director of sales with Duolift Manufacturing Company, of course, based in Columbus, Nebraska. We're catching up with Paul now at the Iowa uh, Ag Expo as we're back kind of in the farm show season. Real quick, Paul, I want to talk about a couple of the products you have on display here, the all-steering uh, header trailer. And this is a product that you and I actually had the chance to talk about when you unveiled it at the Nebraska Ag Expo in 2019. How are sales going of this product? I'm sure people are, are enjoying seeing it at these farm shows but is that resulting in sales for folks like uh, the custom harvesters who you were, who you were in front of a couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, and very much so it has. Uh, we had the honor of introducing our uh, six wheel, four-wheel steer and six-wheel steer header trailers at the uh, show in Lincoln, Nebraska in 2019, and we've expanded that line, and it's done very well for us. Basically, the situation in farming is, is farmers are farming more ground further from home, uh, and labor and help is a challenge at times, and also distance and time is, is uh, of importance. So uh, a trailer that's maneuverable that will follow a, a, a pickup truck, like a calf being led by a halter, and with these big, long, heavy heads is a, a tremendous asset to a farming operation. You can swing into a farm field very maneuverable. You can maneuver amongst equipment. And also we've addressed the situation of having plenty of uh, axle capacity to carry these heavyweight headers uh, with a six-wheel steer. There's nobody else in the industry that has six-wheel steer ag trailers or uh, DOT-compliant header trailers. And this is our second year of it. We've got these all over the United States already with both farm use and DOT U.S. Custom Harvesters. Well, I mentioned in the intro, we are standing at the Iowa Ag Expo as you and I have this conversation. In a couple weeks, we'll be at the Nebraska Ag Expo, the sister show of this one. Got to be nice to get out there as the director of sales, you know this, to actually be in front of people again and show them the products you have on display. Yes, thank you very much. First of all, we want to give a shout out to the uh, Iowa-Nebraska Dealer Association for having the courage, having the fortitude to say to the industry that we can and we should and we will have a show or shows. It's important for the farm community to get out. It's important for our manufacturing uh, constituents to get out and meet people. We're, we're very pleased to be here and you can see that it's being done in a very safe and um, COVID uh, appropriate manner. Um, and it's great to be out. It's great to meet the customers that own our products or the future customers that are looking at our products. It gives us a chance to work with our dealers and distributors all over the United States. Our last show was um, 
in February of 2020. We've had no other major shows since then. They were all canceled and postponed. So it's been a different world. Well, even though the world kind of had to shut down, we know that uh, producer didn't have that ability. They had to keep producing, as we talk about every day on the radio. And Did you face any challenges as a manufacturing company? I mentioned it located in Columbus, Nebraska. Did you face any, any other challenges besides uh, the inability to go to farm shows? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, we've been blessed that we haven't had major outbreaks of COVID at our factory. We've been careful. We've done what we could appropriately, code and, uh, and follow-up wise. But in this, in the world of working people, there's the man and woman in a family are commonly working. And in COVID, if the man in his business wasn't affected, maybe the wife and her business was affected. You know, while we didn't have major outbreaks, we've had a, had a few instances but we had a general slowdown in our productivity because of the challenges of keeping a workforce in place and having everybody there. Paul, we appreciate uh, being able to see you again. Paul Hottaby is the Director of Sales with Dual Live Manufacturing Company. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. 1995. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a look at the closing commodity trade here with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we take a look at the close here today, soybeans finally do end in the green. They help bring some of the corn contracts up with them, but wheat, a continued leader to the downside here. What do we need to emerge in that market to get it to cooperate with these other trades? Probably delivery. I think that's where the real pressure will come. Um, looking at the July spreads right now, you know, Kansas City's narrowing under July. I still think wheat's a bull market, but, you know, there's supply available, especially in this country. The markets are still in a carry, and that's they're telling you that. So right now you get dollar weakness as well. It's just not a real story yet, but if you believe there's going to be a weather, weather rally either here or in Russia, I think this is a good opportunity here between now and, say, you know, early March to get positions on. I know end users I work with will be certainly looking to try to get some, some bought on breaks here because they've been staring at you know, mid sixes. So anything close to five would be ideal. Um, and then the other side, you know, feed grains are pretty positive. So I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not tremendously scared. I don't think the dollar's gonna run away and hide here. Uh, I imagine, you know, you're gonna see plenty of, uh, of buying come in if, if prices would break. And we continue to see May funds uh, eyeing these soybeans, but then we see corn in that export sale print here this morning, nearly 7 million metric tons, doubling the previous weekly sales record. So that's got to be fairly bullish here in the long run. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's funny, it just keeps coming, you know, it just keeps coming. The the, the buys we get every week are making up for what we're losing, and, um, you know, unfortunately, it's a, uh, um, you know, hasn't really moved in the new crop yet. New crop just sitting at 450 still, so that's really where the, the, the battle's going to come, in my opinion. Um, that new crop's an interesting trade. And the old, the old crop isn't going anywhere, in my opinion. With, um, you know, corn exports probably going to be $3 billion this year. Um, that's, you know, I'd say 300 to $400 million above where the USDA has it right now. So you start hacking that carryout below, you know, below a billion there. Then the new crop, you, you kind of have to gamble that you're, if we don't grow it, we're in trouble. And I'll say that the markets are kind of going to wake up at some point to that. 
And we're talking to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. You can always learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Again, that's danielzagmarketing.com, where you can sign up for that newsletter. Again, this week in Grain. Do remember, though, trading futures and options evolve. Risk of loss it may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider those risks before investing. As we see the settlements start to come in for the grain, soybeans will end higher, anywhere from a quarter to one and three quarters higher. November new crop, though, actually exceeding that, they'll end four cents higher. It's the December new crop corn as well that ends in the green at 451 and three quarters, up three quarters. Thank you very much, Clay. That will take care of our Thursday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, you can catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors at krvn.com.